Joshua chapter 1. I want to just take just a moment. hope you guys don't mind if I do this. Hopefully you don't mind, all right? I didn't talk to you about it before. What I'd like to do is <laughs> we actually have David and his wife, Jamie uh, Brindley, that are here with us today. They're actually, this is going to be the new uh, music pastor and his family. Do y'all mind standing up so we can recognize you at least? Y'all know who, y'all, who they're going to be? All right. Thank you, guys. Good to have y'all with us today. Uh, they're going to be starting here in about two weeks. I think that that's correct, if I'm doing my math right off the top of my head. All right, so uh, we're excited about having them. I tell you what, that's a good family, and we can't wait to get them here and just to uh, be able to lead us in our worship ministry. And haven't, hasn't our worship team done a great job? Yeah. Um, I do want to start off by mentioning to you, Brother Craig is going to be having his chemo treatment, a heavy dose tomorrow, uh, so we need to be in prayer for him. And so I think it's important for us as a church to recognize that uh, Monday is going to be a, a very important day in his life, as it's going to be a heavy dosage, and what's going to happen is Wednesday, um, as long as everything's going well, they're going to do the bone marrow transplant then, and so we need to be in prayer for him. So what I'd like us to do is, that before we get started, uh, let's pray for Brother Craig, as they're going to be having that. Lord, we come before you right now, and as we think of Brother Craig and his family, Lord, we pray that you would watch over him. Lord, uh, as he's got a tough battle that's in front of him, Lord, we pray that your watch care would be over him. Lord, allow him to experience your peace that passes all understanding. We pray that everything would go well, and we pray that uh, you would just help him through this difficult time. And uh, we'll give you glory for everything that happens in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 1. As I was kind of preparing for this, I tell you, what a whirlwind of emotions that have happened today. I mean, uh, us as a church, uh, I don't know if you feel this at all, but do you ever feel like you've gone on a wave of emotions over the past month? Uh, In all honesty, I have people that keep coming up and they'll say, well, Ryan, you know, uh, well, what do you feel like when you're going through this? I mean, uh, I know uh, with the transition of Pastor Phil and Bev, uh, them retiring, this is always just, uh, for me, because we've been a part of the church, while we were riding on the carriage, the lady said, uh, so you're, new, you're the new pastor here, right? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, um, where'd you move from? <laughs> like, I didn't move at all. Like, I, I, I actually live here. Really? So you're the new pastor and you didn't move? Like, yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> but yes, yes. Um, and the thing is, is you have the emotions. Uh, I, I'll be honest, even for Heather and I, we've discussed this week just the whirlwind of emotions. We love Pastor Phil and Bev. Obviously, uh, they're my in-laws, so you better love them. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just joking. But the, the, I'm just kidding. He's a Dodgers fan. We love him anyway. But, um, and the thing is, is that... Uh, you go from one week of having a pastor that's been here for 27 years, and then you go to the next week to a guy that, I'll be honest with you, I don't have like this long resume or anything, but you guys took me anyway, so thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I was thinking about as you go into new territory, that's always difficult. You have a whirlwind of emotions. And I was thinking about the fact that I heard a story about uh, these four men, they were in the waiting room at a hospital. And their, their wives were having babies, and they were going to be new dads. Well, the nurse comes out and tells the first guy, says, you know, congratulations, you're having twins. 
He said, well, that's weird. Uh, I actually work for the Minnesota Twins. And I said, oh, okay. Well, the nurse comes out for the second guy and says, hey, congratulations, you're having triplets. He said, that's really odd because I work for the 3M company. And it keeps going on. The nurse comes out later to the third guy and says, congratulations, you're having quadruplets. He said, that's really, really strange because I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. And at that time, the fourth guy was banging his head on the wall, screaming. And they said, what's wrong with you? He said, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> and you know, as I was thinking about that, we go through different times and seasons in our life, don't we? Uh, where we sp experienced very different types of emotions. I was thinking just this week, uh, back in 2007, in October 2007, my family had gotten off a long plane flight the night before. It was 30 hours of flying with a two-month-old baby, and I was sitting there thinking, what in the world were we thinking? We wake up, and we're in Bangkok, Thailand, and we're looking out, and we walk out into the middle of this big city, and we're looking at road signs trying to figure out where in this massive city are we at. You got the names of roads on street signs that you can't even pronounce. You got these new smells. Bangkok really smells, all right, if you've never been there. And, and you have all of this new stuff that's being thrown at you. You have to figure your way out how to get to stores, how to use trains when you don't speak the language. And I can remember looking at that, and there's all these whirlwind of emotions. All of us experience them, don't we? I can think of maybe you're like, uh, all of us that go through times of experiencing new things. Maybe like what you can think back to the time when you had your first child. You had the excitement. We got this new addition to the family. But then you have the fear, am I ever going to sleep again? <laughs> and then you have maybe uh, your, your time where you get a brand new car. You're excited about driving it, but you're afraid, what? I don't want to wreck this thing. I was worried about that when Mick was driving my car this morning. And then I was uh, thinking, maybe, maybe you have a, an, an, uh, a teenager that graduated, and you're like, yes, we're finally going to have peace and quiet around the house. But then you have the fear, I wonder what they're doing right now, right? You have all of these mixture of emotions. Well, there's very few people that went through transition as much as the Israelites. They had to have experienced a wide variety of emotions. As you look at Joshua chapter 1, I want us to look at the context for this passage. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, and this is what it says. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. You won't accurately understand the passage that we're looking at this morning unless you get this. It was a very emotional experience for the children of Israel. You have to understand that Moses, at this point, the, the children of Israel that had left Egypt, that old generation had passed away because of their lack of faith of going into the promised land. For this group of Israelites that were being prepared and ready to go into the promised land, Moses was the only leader that they had ever been underneath outside of Joshua and Caleb. Can you imagine the emotions? Uh, Moses was the leader. He had quite the resume. 
think through the things that God had done through the life of Moses. Moses had boldly walked into Pharaoh's court and told him to let God's people go. When he would refuse to listen, through God's power, he called down plagues that would cripple Egypt, which was the the world power at that time. Through God's power, he would walk to the Red Sea and they would split apart for him. As they went into the wilderness, he went up on Mount Sinai and he received the law from God and came down and delivered it to the people. Uh, Through God, uh, he had allowed him to provide manna that would come down from the sky. He uh, even had water that would flow out of the rock to, to be able to give God's people everything that they needed. And the Bible says that in Deuteronomy 34, verse 8, that the children of Israel wept for 30 days because they had lost their leader. It was all brand new to them. It was a new territory. They were turning, and and if it wasn't worse, listen to this. Even after the death of Moses, God delivers the news that he wants them to turn towards the Jordan and he wants them to cross over, and he wants them to begin to take the territory from the Canaanites. And you're thinking, well, what's the big deal with that? New leadership, a new person, taking them into a brand new territory that they've never been in in a long time. And by the way, you're facing the Canaanites. These are a group of people. It was a conglomerate of seven different nations. They were warriors. The children of Israel weren't. And so in the middle of all of these uh, emotions, there was probably fear their leader had passed away. There was this fear, what's going to happen? But there was also maybe an an excitement of, I wonder what God's going to do next. And folks, here's the fact of the matter. Us as a church, we're in a time of transition. We're in some difficult times because uh, we've been underneath the incredible leadership of Pastor Phil and and Miss Beth, Uh, haven't we? incredible leadership. They haven't passed away. They're here, okay? So don't start thinking the Moses thing. We want them to stick around. But here's the thing is that for many of you, maybe he's the only pastor that you've had. And the thing is, is that in the middle of all this transition, it can stir up a lot of emotions. I've told people for the longest time, it's like you go from a funeral, all right, to a wedding, we go from a funeral one week, we're telling pastor, we're wishing him well in his, in his retirement. Then you go from uh, experience and like you're married to this person that you barely know, okay? And that's me. And folks, here's the point is that I've had people come up to me and say, Ryan, and this happened just last week, and it happens all the time, and I don't mean anything ugly by it, but they'll say things like this, Ryan, good luck filling those shoes. And, and, and the thing is, is I say, you know what, respectfully, I can't. And not only that, but he has size 13. I wouldn't know how to steer him. I'm just joking. I, I love you, Pastor Phil. Now, here's the thing. Seriously, though, he's an experienced uh, pastor. And I'll be honest with you, I could never measure up to any of that. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're in a new time. And God's goals and his plans that he has for us as Metro Baptist Church still have to go forward. And this is the thing is that how a church transitions is extremely important. We're at a critical, crucial time in the life of our church. 
There are churches that go through times where it's a struggle transitioning from leadership. And what I believe that we have in front of us this morning in Joshua chapter 1 is we have a transition plan that God gives to Joshua and that he is in turn going to give to the children of Israel. And folks, the, the transition plan that God gives to Joshua is this. I want you to carry out my agenda. I want you to carry out my plan into the future. Not a man's agenda. I want you to get off of whatever it is that you want and get onto my plan. The best thing that we can do as a church is this. Get off of our agendas and off of our plans and let's pray and seek the Lord's face and ask what he would want us to do. Now let's look at this passage together. We have four principles that God gives us directly in this passage that's timeless, that was useful for the children of Israel, and it's also just as useful for us today uh, in the place where we're at. The very first thing is this. We have a consistent purpose. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that, I, uh, that uh, the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Now notice, uh, and to kind of give you some geography, we're going to put a map up on, on the, the, the screens here. The children of Israel are on the east side of the Jordan River. They're facing the west. And God's telling Joshua, I want you to get up. I want you to go over the Jordan with the children of Israel. And I want you to take the land. That's God's message. That's the mission that he's giving them. Now, I want you to think through this. He begins to lay out the parameters. He says, I want you to go as far as north as the wilderness uh, of Lebanon. I want you to go to the river Euphrates all the way to the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea. Now, you're sitting there thinking, Ryan, I have no idea how big this is. God was literally giving them over 300,000 square miles worth of land. Now, did you know, recognize this, is that they would not capture near as much as what God promised them. You know why that was? A lack of faith of carrying out God's plan. God had so much in store for them, 300,000 square miles. They only captured 30,000 square miles. Only 10% of what God had for them. Now, what I want you to notice is you're like, Ryan, well, where is it that you're going with this passage? I want you to notice that God's plan didn't end with the life of Moses. God's plan still continued to move forward. God's plan was this. I want you to go across the Jordan. I want you to capture the land that God has for you. Now, look in your Bible that we, we just read. Look at verse 3, and I want you to notice specifically what God says. In verse 3, he says, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I've given unto you. And what's that last part? As I said unto Moses. You see, God's plan for the children of Israel started with a man named Abraham. 
Genesis chapter 12, God makes a, a, a deal with him. He tells uh, Abraham, he said, I'm going to make sure your descendants are, are, are greater than the number of the stars in the sky. And he takes Moses outside and he says, I want you to look at the stars. That's not the only part of Genesis chapter 12, though. You remember God made a, a, a ceremony. It's a very different type of deal. We talked about this several weeks ago, and this is what happened, if you remember. God split the animals in two, and he told Abraham, he said, I am going to make a covenant with you that I'm going to give you this land. And you remember how he put Abraham asleep and the smoldering pot that came down and walked through the split animals? God was basically telling Abraham this, I'm making a promise to you, and it's not based on your faithfulness to me. I'm making a promise based to you on my faithfulness. I'm going to keep this promise. I will give you the land. The same promise that he made to Abraham is the very command that God gave to Moses. If you look in Deuteronomy eleven twenty four, you don't have to turn to it. You can just trust me, okay? God told Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 11, get up, go take the land. Now, because of Moses not uh, trusting God, you remember he struck the rock instead of speaking to it? And because of that, God said, you're not going to get to go into that land any, anymore. So what happens here in Joshua chapter 1, Moses has passed away, and now God is coming to him, and he's going to give him verbatim, if you were to put the passage in Deuteronomy where God commands Moses to go into the promised land, and you compare it to Joshua chapter 1, you know what you'll find? Verbatim, the same message, the same mission. You guys are like, Ryan, what do you mean by all of this? Follow me. It's this. God's servants might move away. God's mission never ends. Amen. Amen. Let me say it one more time. Maybe we can say it in a different way. God's uh, person, his servant, it might come and go. It might be a different person. But God's mission, his message always goes forward. The, I remember a, a quote that Pastor Phil had made recently. A.W. Tozer said this, When the men of God die... Nothing of God dies. You're like, Ryan, what does that mean? Well, as Joshua was going to move forward, there was going to be a continuity of the mission and the method that God had given. Uh, of the mission and, and the me message. There was going to be a continuity between Moses and Joshua. Are you following me? Now, you're like, Ryan, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's the thing is that as Joshua comes in, did you know in the book of Joshua, he actually mentions Moses over 57 times? You're like, why would he do that? Joshua had a tremendous amount of respect for how God had used Moses previously. And so Joshua, he had this deep love and respect for him. Now, there was going to be a continuity between their ministries. Just as Moses was to go to the promised land, so Joshua received the same message to do the same thing. But listen, they were going to be different. They weren't the same person. And you're like, what, what do you, where are we going with all of this? Listen, folks, wise leadership builds off the past. It uses where God has used the ministers, the servants of God from the past. It takes the baton and it carries it on into the future. And folks, us as a church, we would be wise to build off of the great legacy that's been left behind at Metro Baptist Church. Listen, folks, our message and our methods, they'll never change. You're like, well, what was the message that God gave to them? It was to get up, go take the land. 
Our message and our mission according to the New Testament is what? God wants us to do several things as a church. He wants us to preach and teach God's word. His message never changes. Now the mission is what? The mission is this, folks. It's that we would take the gospel to lost people and that we would give it to them so that people can be saved and that we in turn would do what? We would go and make disciples. Folks, you know what Pastor Phil has done for the past 27 years? He has poured out his life in preaching and teaching God's word. And he has made the commitment to reach lost people and to disciple them. Folks, that's the very same thing. People are wondering like, well, Ryan, what are you going to do going forward? We're going to preach the God's word. We're going to reach lost people and we're going to make disciples. Amen. The message and the mission stays consistent. Amen. That never changes. But listen, folks, it's like uh, we have some people in our church. Uh, we have some guys over here. They did a race last weekend. They did what's called the Tough Mudder, all right? I, I was really encouraged by the fact that they invited me to go to that. But I, uh, I, in all honesty, I looked at them and I was like, do I look like I was made for running? Are you serious? But I was encouraged nonetheless, all right? And have you ever seen a race before where they do the relay race and they pass the baton on? I used to love that. In Awanas, back when I was a kid, they would have the relay race, and it got tense. I know it's at church, but it was a lot of fun. And if you needed to bump a person out of your way and nobody saw it, it was acceptable. And so what we would do in the relay race, they would have this baton. And, man, the, the key to winning the race for Awanas relay race, all right, was this. It was not like did you have the fastest group. It was all about what? The transition, passing off that, but don't drop the baton. Man, that would drive me nuts when our team would just drop it. Like, man, you're killing us. You lost it for us. But, folks, here's the thing. Us as a ministry, you want to know during our time of transition, what's so important is this. We need to be reminded that the transition is important, that we're going to continue to carry out the mission and the message that God has given us. Because, folks, we have a legacy that's been left behind at Metro, don't we? And we want to build off of it. Amen. We're just a link in the chain. We want to continue the work that God has done at Metro Baptist. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know what will help in our transition is this. If we would take the baton of those that have gone before us, and we'll continue to run the race faithfully, Message and mission still stay the same. Faithfully carry it out to the generation that we're in. That's my prayer for us. All right, secondly is this. So we have a consistent purpose, but notice we also have a constant promise. Joshua, imagine God tells him, he says, I want you to get up and I want you to cross the Jordan, go into the promised land, and I want you to take it. Now, Joshua had been there before. You remember when he went and he spied it out? Now, what God does is this. God never calls you to do something without also giving you a promise to back it up. Folks, we need to hear that today. As God's going to send us out into this new territory, God gives us a mission, but he always accompanies the mission with a promise. Otherwise, we're sunk. Look at what he says in verses 5 and 6. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you, and I'll not fail you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance, the land which I swear unto thy, their fathers to give them. Now notice, God immediately tells Joshua, hey Joshua, I want you, I got you this mission. You're going to go over and you're going to take this land. Now, along with that, he makes this, this promise to him. And he says, Joshua, as you go forward, were there going to be obstacles? He says, no man shall be able to stop you. What does that mean? You're going to hit some snags. There's going to be some things that are going to come up when you go over. It's not going to be all, you know, roses for you when you get over there. But he says, I want you to know this, that I will be with you. Look at how many times things, how many promises that God makes to him. Look at what it says. He says, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. The word forsake is the idea to neglect or to abandon. God wanted Joshua to know that as he would step out in faith and trust God, for the mission that he had given him, he would always go forward knowing that God would never abandon him, he would never forsake him, he would always be along beside him as he went forward into the mission that God had for him. You're like, well, Ryan, what's the big deal behind that? Look at what he says down in verse 9, just in case. How many of you guys, like, you forget things? Come on, guys, don't lie, come on. Like, your wives are sitting next to you. I see them bumping you. Okay, here's the thing. Just in case Joshua didn't get the message the first time, ladies, amen, all right? And just in case he didn't get it the first time, Joshua does what uh, God gives it to him a second time. Look at what he says down in verse 9. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is what? With you, whithersoever thou goest. You're like, Ryan, what's the big deal behind God's presence? Folks, listen up here. It, it, it's, it's, it means everything. In Exodus chapter 32, you remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get God's promise or to get God's law? Now follow me. He goes up and he gets the law. And when he comes down the mountain, you remember what he found? He's like, I haven't even had the law but for a few hours, and you guys are already messing this thing up. They were already breaking the law that he was holding in his hands. He threw them down in anger, and he broke them. And you remember they began to clean house. He called them out, and the Levites began to kill the ones that had been, they had thrown the gold into the fire, and they said this, you know, this golden, you know, calf came out on its own. They were such terrible liars, just like little kids. All right, and so here's the thing. And so what happened was is that he's angry, and he's so angry that he picks up his tent and he moves it outside the camp. You remember that? And when he was outside the, the, the camp, you remember it says that God's presence came down? And if you look at Exodus chapter 33, you'll notice something. There was somebody that was with Moses. His name was Joshua. Now when God's glory came down and, and, and God began to speak with Moses, he told Moses this, I want you to pick up camp and I want you to go take the land. Now listen, this is what God told him. And I'm going to send an angel with you. Now what's the problem there? Moses is like, hold on a second, Lord. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us, because how else will all the nations know that we're your people unless you go with us? And the Bible says, if you look at, uh, you can look in your Bibles if you'd like to, but it says there in that passage, and Moses found grace in his sight. Folks, listen. 
When God gives you his presence, it's always a gift of grace. You're like, what's the big deal with the presence thing? Let me see if I can illustrate it to you this way. Today was going to be a special day in in the life of my family. I have my mom and my dad, my brother and sister-in-law, and my nieces. They came to be here with us today. You see, the gift of presence, is, it's, it's always an important thing, right? By them having been here today, they're giving the gift of presence, which means they're for us. They're for us. Now, my brother might have been, you know, pushed a little bit in order, or encouraged. We could, I'm just joking. All right, and here's the thing is that the, the, the gift of presence is always means this, that they're for you, they're not against you. And see, when God said that he was going to give Joshua his presence, God was literally telling him this, I'm for you, and when you get God and his presence, you get everything that comes with it. That's the power, that's the strength, and folks, in a time of transition, we need to be reminded of the fact that God will not abandon his church. It's his church. And when you're tempted to feel like you're discouraged and you're wondering, I don't know what the future has in front of us, Be reminded of this, folks, that this is his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And when he says, I will build my church, it belongs to him. And along with him comes his presence and the ability to accomplish it and to carry it out. And folks, one of the reasons why I'm excited is this. We have some incredible opportunities in front of us, don't we? We've been blessed And God tells us that he'll go with us. Matthew 28, when he gave the disciples the the great commission and he sent them out into the world to, to take the gospel, you remember the promise that came with it? And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. The Bible says in Romans 8, 31, it says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? We need to stop living in a defeated mindset. Folks, can I say that one more time? You might be discouraged, and you might be like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Don't live a defeated lifestyle. God promised to be with us. I I heard a story about Martin Luther. And how many of you recognize, like, wives do a really good job of teaching their husbands lessons? (laughs) Y'all laugh because y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Okay, so Martin Luther one day, he was depressed and discouraged. He was upset about a situation, and he moped around, and his wife, Catherine, decided that she was going to teach him a lesson. So what she did was this. She decided she was going to dress up in black and just walk around the house defeated, just like he did. Well, Martin Luther noticed that she was walking around like that, and he's like, what are you mourning over? What's happening? Why are you so, like, why are you wearing all black? Well, Catherine responded. She said, well, I was judging from, you know, the way that you were living, and and I gathered from your behavior that God must have died. You know, Martin Luther said that that was a very important moment in his life where he remembered the fact that if God made a promise and he said that he would be present, then he probably should live that way. Folks, all I'm saying this morning is this, is that we have a risen Savior. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. And he's made a promise to be with us. 
And if he's made the promise that he'll be with us, we should go forward that way. Another thing, not only do we have a constant, a consistent purpose and a constant promise, we need a courageous perspective. Now let's look forward because everything that I've said to you at this point is this, folks. We have God's, God's, uh, God's responsibility and we have our responsibility. Our, uh, God's responsibility is that he promised what? He said, I'll give you victory I'll give you this mission, and, and I'll go with you. I'll give you my presence. Now we're going to get into the portion that's our, our part. God always does his part. We have to do our part. Notice what he tells Joshua, verses 6 and 7. He says, Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Look at verse 7. Circle that word. Only. Only what? Only be thou strong and very courageous. And then if you're, you're wondering what he means by it, look down at verse 9. Have not I commanded you, what? Be strong and of good courage. Now, you know, I love when the Bible's so simplistic because I'll be honest, I'm not the smartest person in the world. What do you think he's repeating in all of these verses? He says it three times. What did he say? I know you folks are doing better than that. All right, I know it's Sunday morning, but I want your help, all right? So here, here's what he says. What, what is it that he repeats three times? Be strong. Be strong and courageous. Being strong means this. It's the idea that of you taking multiple ropes and you twisting them together. When you take multiple ropes and you twist them together, it means that it can sustain a lot of weight and pressure. When it says be courageous, he's saying be bold. Now, why is it that God would tell Joshua, go across the river, go conquer this land that's in front of you, but your part, only do this, only be strong and be courageous? Why is that? The fact of the matter is, is that when Joshua and the Israelites, when they would cross over that river, what were they going to face? There wasn't going to be a reception desk for them. The Canaanites wouldn't be over there and say, go ahead and take the land. God gave it to you. That's not how it works. Folks, when God gives you his promises, it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Y'all know what I'm saying? Oh, please don't go to sleep on me right now. All right, so stay, stick with me. All right, here's the thing is that he's saying that as you go into this land, don't expect for it to be a bed of roses. You're going to have to go in and you're going to have to take it. And folks, God's promise would only be activated when what? When the people would pick their leg up and put it down in front of them and move into the land. Their way to show that they were bold and strong and courageous was by picking their feet up, by getting in marching line, by getting their swords ready, by crossing the river and going and fighting the battles. Elizabeth Elliot made a very powerful statement when she said, Jesus Christ has not called us to a playground, but to a battlefield. Amen. Folks, in the middle of this time of transition, we cannot forget the fact that, folks, we're in a battle, a spiritual battle. As we go forward into the future, it's not going to be easy. 
How many of you recognize that right now in our country, it's really difficult to be a Christian? I was thinking about, they had a, a story of this boy at school. Uh, it was, I think it was Meet You at the Flag Day. And there was the story about this one teenager at his school. He was just one boy that went out to the flag to pray for his school. And he went out, and even though nobody else joined him, he stood there, and just as one, he prayed for his school. That couldn't have been easy. You know, folks, what is going to happen is that Joshua and them, as they went over the river, they were going to have 13 different battles over a period of seven years. When God said, be bold, be strong and courageous and go across, it was going to be one fight after another. But listen, his promise wouldn't be activated until they got their swords out and they were ready to fight. God's promise of giving them victory wouldn't start until they marched on the cities. And folks, at this point in our point at Metro Baptist, you know what we need in our transition? We need Christians that will be bold, people that will be strong, that won't snap under pressure because they understand that God's presence is with us as we go and we fight these things. We have new land to take. And see, God would only accomplish his promise as they were obedient and moving forward in their faith. Folks, this is what we need as a church. We need the church to step up during this time. During this time of transition, you're like, well, Ryan, what do you mean by that? What could we do? We need you to serve. We need you to be faithful in serving in the ministry that God's called you to be a part of. We need you to pray for your church. We need you to be involved. We need you to be faithful. And listen, recognize who the enemy is. One of the great things that I love about this passage, and I want you to stay clued in as we're wrapping this thing down, I want you to know this. I absolutely love this passage, and this is why. When Joshua went across the river and he fought all those battles over all those years, Joshua was a worn-out warrior at the end of his life. He had taken so much land, but I want you to see something. At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, I want you to see this as we put it on the screen. This is Joshua at the end of his life, looking back and reflecting on the battles that they had fought. And I want you to hear what he says. Very powerful words. And behold, this day... I am going the way of all the world. He's saying I'm passing away. And you know in all your hearts and that in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you and not one thing hath failed thereof. What's he saying? God has been faithful to keep every word of his promise. This is Joshua at the end of his life. Every battle that we fought, you were faithful. You won it. Folks, listen, would that have ever happened had they not been bold and courageous to step across and fight the battles? Would have never happened. Folks, what we need now is this. We need you as a church, every person here, to be bold and courageous in your faith. Maybe God would call you to do things you've never done before. Maybe it would involve like inviting somebody to church, inviting somebody to be with you. We need everybody on board 
everybody moving forward. Now, I want to uh, tell you one last thing and we'll be done. We also have a controlling principle. As Joshua was going to go into the promised land, uh, the thing that's, how many of you are planners? You like to have a, like, everything mapped up for you. My wife better have her hand up right now. All right, so um, here's the thing. Like, I, all, everybody likes to have a plan. Most people do, okay? But Joshua, as he was going to go into the promised land, the thing I find very interesting is this. God never laid out every detail of every fight and every place that he was going to go. Instead of God giving him a playbook, you know what he gave him? A manual for life. More than he was concerned with all the details of everything that was in front of him, he wanted Joshua to know God's word. Look at what he says. Look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and be very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not to it from the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Okay, so as he's going into this promised land, folks, notice what he's telling him. He said, I want you to do what? I want you to observe to do according to all the law of Moses. What was the law of Moses? Moses, during the 40 years while he was in the wilderness, don't miss this, Moses, while he was in the wilderness for 40 years, was recording all the things that God had done amongst his people. He was writing down, this is what happened at this place. And throughout his life, as he was uh, living out these events, he was recording and writing down every detail of everything God had ever done. All the way, and now he wrote which books? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books, he was writing it out, detailing everything that God had done. Then you come to Deuteronomy chapter 31, and you know what you find? He turns over the books that he had written to the priests. And now God is telling Joshua, do not let yourself get away from all that that Moses recorded in the scriptures. You're not to turn to it from the right hand or to the left hand. What does he mean by that? As you guys go into the promised land, this is the path that I have for you. This is God's word. Obey everything that Moses wrote in God's word and don't depart from it. Why? Because when you do that, then you'll be prosperous. Now follow along with me. I want you to see one of the most important verses in the Old Testament. And this verse is often misquoted. Folks, if we as a church are going to go forward and be prosperous and successful, this is the only use of the word success in the Old Testament. Look at what it says in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, for that, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, one of the key things to do when you read your Bible is this. Who is it that was going to give them success? Eh, what does it say? Read it again. What does he say? Look at what it, let's look at it again. This book of the law, look at the very end of it. It says, wherein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Thou is who? You. 
Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Who did the success depend on? Them. God gave them his word, and he said, the way that you make your way successful is by what? You doing three things. Now notice that because you, you got to read that verse. I know you're sitting there thinking, Ryan, that's blasphemous. We can't make our way successful. We can as we obey what God says in his scripture, we can. Now look at what he says. There's three things they were to do with it. First of all, they were to proclaim the word. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Joshua's goal was this. He was to tell the people what God said. There was 2.5 million people that needed to not forget everything that God had done in their history. He was to proclaim it so the people would be reminded of all the things that God had done and so they would be reminded of what they were supposed to do. The second thing was this. They were to possess the word. Notice he says, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You know what that means? It's the idea of muttering God's word. If you were to go to Israel and you were to go to the wall, you would see these Jewish people that are there. They got got the, the Bible out and they got this scroll and they're sitting there. They're muttering God's word underneath their breath. You know what they're trying to do? Get it in their mind and they're trying to get it into their heart. Now notice what else they did. And it says, tells them to, not only are you to proclaim the word, come from your mouth, not only are you to meditate on the word, it's to be in your mind and in your heart, but folks, they were also to do what? They were to practice the word. Look at what he says. That thou mayest observe to do what? To do according to all that is written therein. Folks, this was what would bring them success. When they proclaimed the word with their mouth, when they meditated on God's word in their mind and in their heart, and folks, when they began to live out the word with their hands and with their feet. Listen to me, and we're gonna close this down. In a time of transition, we needed to be reminded of the fact that what's gonna bring Metro Baptist success in God's eyes is not how strong we are, or how many battles we fight, but how closely will we try to live our life by God's word? Amen. Pastor Phil faithfully preached the word for 27 years at this church. To the best of my ability, I want you to know that I am going to do my best to preach and teach God's word. But listen, if it ends there, that's not good enough. We have to meditate on his word. We have, to, we have to proclaim his word from our mouth. We have to meditate on the word, get it in our mind and in our hearts. But listen, that's still not enough. We have to live the word through our hands and through our feet. Amen. If we will be successful in God's eyes, everything is dependent upon our relationship with God's word. Amen. Will we try to live our life by his word? Folks, that's what we want to do as a church. Now, let me close this down with this. You're like, Ryan, did they unite behind Joshua? They did. Ryan, are you Joshua? No, I'm not. You're sitting here thinking, well, Ryan, you know, you're talking about the fact that we're in transition and that we need to unite together. Folks, if you unite around me, we will not have success. Joshua was meant to be a picture Listen, you have to listen to this part. 
Joshua was a, a warrior that was going to lead God's people into the promised land and give them victory. Joshua's name, if you were to translate it into Greek, is what? Jesus. See, Jesus is the ultimate warrior that came to lead believers into God's promised land, Canaan. Canaan is a picture of the victorious Christian life. It's not a picture of heaven. I hope heaven doesn't have enemies. Well, some of us it might. All right, but here's the thing. And then, so what happened is this. Joshua, as they followed him, he would take them into victory. As we follow Jesus, he'll lead us into spiritual victory. Joshua would lead them into a place of temporary rest. Jesus will lead us into a place of eternal rest. Joshua would lead them in victory over the nations. Jesus leads us in, through the cross, leads us into victory over death, hell, sin, and Satan. Joshua would gain victory over Jericho with the sound of a trumpet. Jesus one day will come back at the sound of a trumpet and have victory over the whole world. Joshua was a good man. Jesus is the God-man. Joshua died and was buried. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again from the dead. He ascended back to the right hand of the Father, and he's seated on a throne. And by the way, he says that I will build my church. The church belongs to who? Jesus. The person that we follow is Jesus. The person that we unite around at Metro Baptist Church is not a person, a human it's the God-man, Jesus, who owns the church. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.21, to Christ be glory in the church. Folks, we unite as a church around Jesus Christ. And folks, my prayer for us as a church is this. His mission is this. God's given us a mission that doesn't change. He promises to give us his presence. Folks, that's all we need. And then he tells us, be bold and courageous as you go out. God will give you victory. And then he tells you this, live your life by his word because that's how God blesses you. Folks, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes.